Good morning. Welcome everybody to our New Year's Eve service. And we have a special time today at 10. Next week, we will go back to regular time and have both services and Sunday school. So don't forget. But we're all glad, we're glad that you are here. We have uh, also Wednesday night activities will begin on January the 10th. So we still have another week for the children <clears throat> and the youth to get ready to come back and, and do their thing on Wednesday night. We have a guest speaker this morning. He's Reverend David Holmes is here. He's a retired minister. I think he retired in 2022 with about 44 years, I'm not sure. But he lives in the area and we welcome you here today and look forward to hearing your message. His wife, Brenda, is here with him. And now we are ready to start. Thank you. Please stand and worship with us this morning. run for cover but the miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power still a miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause Christ rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. sons and daughters bought with blood and washed in water sing the praises of the spirit son and father our god it's finished what he started yes our god it's finished what he started this is my testimony from death to life because grace rewrote my story i'll by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony.
people that had it. <laughs> that was really cool, guys. Everybody hear me well? Um, now it's time for our children to head off to Children's Church this morning and to be dismissed. It's a fantastic way to end up 2023 and to start 2024. What beautiful kids. And their Christmas pajamas too. Sometimes wish I had a pair of footsie pajamas, especially on a cold night like last night. <laughs> uh, let's all bow our, hair, or bow our heads in prayer. God, we come to you this New Year's Eve and we confess our need for your presence in our life and your guidance in our heart. Each of us has hopes, dreams, and expectations for the year ahead but only you know what it holds for us. God, give us the strength. God, give us the wisdom. God, give us the humility to put our faith in your hands. In the midst of these uncertain times, assure us of the certainty of your love. In the midst of these inevitable sorrows, assure us of the inevitable comfort of your love. In the midst of life's temptations, give us the courage to live boldly and to face life and do the right thing. And in the midst of our own daily preoccupation with our own small lives, open our eyes to the sorrows around us. Help us to respond with compassion, love, and friendship. God, we pray for our nation and our leaders in 2024 as they face an ever-dangerous world. We pray a special blessing on all the men and women in the armed services of the United States of America who are willing to lay down their lives for our freedom. Be with their families. Assure them of your love. And so, Heavenly Father, as we look back on all the blessings of 2023, we humbly thank you for your goodness and your kindness. As we look forward in hope and expectancy and faith to 2024, we thank you for all of your blessings yet to come. God, we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us hope who gives us hope each to each individual, who gives hope to this congregation, and who gives hope to the entire world in 2024. Amen. It's now time to share our tithes and our offerings. Uh, will the ushers please come forward?
this July. There we go. I'm going to say it was on the green, but I didn't know where I was. I'm back. <laughs> oh, but um, it, my goal was to, when I retired, to try to be available to help uh, any pastor that felt like he or she needed a little break to have somebody to fill in. Uh, for 43 years, I served in the pulpit, and uh, it's not always easy to get somebody to come and fill in for you uh, when you want to be off and need to be off, and uh, that's what I have chosen, and God has blessed me with the opportunity to be able to do that. This church has a good reputation in our conference. I have known of Gadsden First for a number of years, known several of your pastors that you've had in the past, and uh, been fortunate to have some of them as my mentors in the early days of my ministry years ago. 
And uh, it was, uh, it's a joy, like I said, to be able to come and to uh, end a year with you and look forward to a beginning of another year uh, that is ahead for us. Um, Father, hide me behind the cross. Let my words be what your words would be to your people. We thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy. We thank you for your presence now in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing grace. I don't know about you, but when I just hear those two words, it brings comfort and joy into my life. It brings the comfort and joy to people in the times of greatest needs in their life. When we hear these words, amazing grace, uh, I think maybe we're all drawn to that wonderful song that is entitled that. And it's probably the most loved most recognized song that's ever been written. And truly, for us to understand this morning, and that's what I wanted my sermon to be with, since I got that scripture in my mind given to me, uh, I wanted to use the song Amazing Grace to help be the springboard of my message uh, for you today. I want to take some time, the time that we have this morning, uh, to be able to look at, the first of all, the person who wrote this song and what his intentions were when he gave it then for us to be able to not only listen to, but to sing as well. The author of this uh, song, his name was John Newton. John was born in the year of 1725. That's a long time ago, it seems, doesn't it? He was born in London, England. Tragedy, unfortunately, was a reoccurring theme in John Newton's life. It began very early for him. His mother passed away when he was but a young child. His father was a commander in the Royal Navy. John was forced to accompany his dad on uh, many of his outings. And by the time uh, John was 11 years old. He had been by his father's side on many voyages all around the world. So he had some exposure at that young age to what all was out there in the world. It was during this time that young John began to acquire a real love for the sea. 
and for the excitement and the mystery that the sea beheld. John so loved the sea that he was encouraged when he became 18 years of age to go and join the Royal Navy himself. But it didn't take him long for him to figure out that that was not the kind of life that he wanted. As a matter of fact, John's love for the military actually faded very soon after he even joined. And he was a captain of a ship. And John one day decided he didn't want to be the captain anymore. So he abandoned his ship. Now, the Royal Navy has strict rules about captains abandoning their ship. So John was arrested and he was punished for his actions. Life continued on for young John. He still wasn't very content with the, with the idea of being in the Royal Navy, but he worked out a deal that he could exchange his place of service. So he became the captain of a slave ship, thinking that that would at least be a better way of life. But John found out that he had made a very big mistake. It was there that he became a servant to the slave trader that was the captain of that ship. And John was brutally abused during his short tenure there. But you know, the remarkable thing about God's grace is that it always comes to us at the times of our greatest need. John himself was rescued by a sea captain from that ship. And that captain had known his father very well. Life was still not what John envisioned it to be. However, he continued to remain at sea and he became the captain of his ship that continued to do business in slavery. Now, to say that John's life was not turning out the way that he had ever envisioned would be really an understatement. Uh, he began to reminisce about his childhood, remembering some of the religious instructions provided by his mother. I lost my mom at a young age, but I can think back fondly now what will be 50 years that she left this world and I can remember the things that she taught me. She was a Sunday school teacher and she taught great Sunday school lessons even without being in church. Now, as John himself really loved his mom, he still had not really developed a good close relationship with God and the church. In fact, he had kind of begun to drift away from it. He had begun to get involved in, in other things, and, and that happens in our lives, doesn't it? But this voyage that now he was on as a part of the captain of this ship that he was on um, began to, take, to make changes in his life. It was going to be different than any voyage John had ever been on. It was going to bring him face to face with his own mortality, and it was going to be a time that God's grace 
would appear to him and begin to ever speak to him as it did. And it changed the heart of John Newton. You see, while John was still a captain of this ship that carried slaves, John changed the way the slaves were treated. He began to treat them with dignity. He began to care for them and provide for them while they were there on his ship. Then a storm came up and it began to rock the boat back and forth. And in fact, it became so frightening. The people that were on board thought, this is it, we're gonna sink, we're gonna die. We're not sure exactly what kind of storm that was. Maybe it was a hurricane, who knows? But it definitely got John's attention. He would later on refer to his experience in that storm as his great deliverance. John recorded in his journal that when all seemed lost, lost and the ship was about to sink, he cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. Later in his cabin, John reflects and said, it was during this time that he believed that God addressed him personally. Isn't that a wonderful thing to have? I've had that happen in my life. I hope you have too. That there were those moments when God actually spoke, or at least I could feel his presence in my life to the point I heard his voice. Now, certainly this great storm provided John the opportunity to see a part of God that maybe he had not thought that much about, God's grace. If John's mother could have taught him anything in her life in the short time that John had her, grace was a subject that he was glad she taught. God, in doing what he was doing, may have even been answering his mom's prayer for him. Lord, take care of my young boy. Take care of him. Provide for him. And who knows, that provision right now in saving him from this storm could have very well been an answer to her, to her prayers. For the rest of John's life, he knew that God had heard his cry for help. He observed the anniversary of May the 10th every year as the day of his conversion when he was saved. Now, these words echoed in the soul of that day through many of the words that John included in a song. You will recognize them. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. John was on his way home and safe from that storm now that he had left behind, safe within the arms of a great savior, he continued to be the captain of that slave ship. But again, as we said, he changed the way he did his job. It was during this time that conviction began to set in on John Newton and he eventually left the slave trade business. He began to understand that slave trading was indeed wrong and that he himself was a slave, a former slave, to sin. 
That is, until the day that he met Jesus there in the storm. Now, from that day forward, John Newton determined that his life was going to be different. He was going to make a difference in this world. From that day, he devoted the remainder of his life to spreading the good news of what he would term it God's amazing grace. Ah, that's not the only song that John Newton wrote, of course, but it's the one that I know I can say I believe is the most noted sung song worldwide. And it's still impacting people some 250 years later. So the question that I'm letting my sermon try to answer this morning is, what's so amazing about God's amazing grace? What is it that John realized there in the middle of that storm that he shares with us that will help us in our own? We may not go into many physical storms, but we certainly know what type storms come into our lives and affect us. John discovered that day, that stormy day on the sea, that there are certain things that God himself does for us that we can could not and cannot do for ourselves. John Newton said, God's amazing grace redeems us from our sin. In Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, it says, we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The song itself begins in a wonderful way, doesn't it? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Oh, for the first time in John's life, his vision was perfect, wasn't it? God had penetrated down into the depths of John's soul. And now John knew the joy of true forgiveness. And it was all due to God's amazing grace. Do you know all the kings and all the presidents that this world has known and is knowing? They cannot pardon, pardon our transgressions. They can't touch those things. Gold and silver, even if it was the gold and silver that the world has, it cannot pay the penalty that sin demanded on us. All the knowledge of medicine and science cannot produce an internal cleansing from our sin. None of that would work. But you know, the blood of Jesus Christ does. It can wash us as white as snow, the song said. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus Christ can pull the vilest sinner out of the most awful gutter. And through that shed blood that he offered on Calvary, redeems our souls. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Secondly, I believe that 
John himself could see that God's amazing grace relieves all of our fears. You don't need me to stand up in front of you this morning and tell you that this is a fearful world. It seems to get more and more fearful. I'm praying that 24 will be different than other years in the past, but I'm afraid it's already starting off in many places with that fear, with that violence and other things that's a part of it. But the psalmist, when he wrote, says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Isn't that a wonderful statement to be able to make? The second verse of that song says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed." Many are afraid today. Many are afraid to live because they don't know what tomorrow holds. Many are afraid to die because they're wondering what eternity holds for them. Many are afraid of the wealth that they have because they're afraid someone's going to come and steal it. Others are afraid of poverty, just wondering how are they going to exist. Even our young people are not spared from this violence that has crept into our world. Many of them are afraid to sometimes think about going to even schools or places of learning for what might happen there. Many people are afraid of old age. I can't tell you that I'm not afraid of that because um, for some people it's a real challenge to grow old. The idea of being abandoned by their family being placed in a retirement home and, and forgotten about. I've seen individuals like that. So it's a real thing and a real fear for a lot of people. But God's amazing grace relieves us of this fear. As a child of God, and I pray that you are, we know that whatever happens around us, God still loves us. And the more of Jesus we have on the inside, the less you and I need to fear the world on the outside. I believe in the middle of that great storm, John cried out for grace and mercy of God. He couldn't find anything else he could hold on to, so he gave that a try. And I know he was glad he did because God's comfort began to come into John's life. He now knew everything would work out in the end. Wasn't going to be perfect. I know in my life, when I received Christ into uh, be my Lord and Savior, it didn't turn out to be a bed of roses. But even those bad moments or those rough spots were easier to go through because of the presence of Christ along with me. I'm so glad that the psalmist included that in one of his, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The greatest promise that you and I could ever hope to receive is that God through Christ is saying, I'm with you every step of the way. Now we may have to remind ourselves sometimes about that because it's easy when we're going through times of difficulty to think, I'm all alone. 
I'm by myself. Just remind yourself, no, you're not. I'm here. But what brings fear into people's lives? What brings maybe fear into your life today? Are you concerned about the life to come? Are you, are you worried about how things are going to work out for you and, and your life? You don't have to be concerned or afraid because God's amazing grace has the ability to relieve those fears. John also knew that God's grace was an assurance through danger. Fear and danger are two different things. Fear is being afraid of what could happen. Danger is something that is about to happen. The psalmist said, God shall give his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. Through many dangerous toils and snares, John Newton wrote, I have already come. Tis grace that has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. John knew that there was a real danger in that storm. As a seasoned captain, he knew that that ship could only take so much of the waves and the wind and being tossed about, there was that real possibility that that ship could sink and all on board could perish. Fear was very evident for John Newton. Danger was very apparent as well. Now, our lives have some moments of danger, and I pray that we don't see a lot in 2024. But let's look and think back over 2023 and any other year back behind you of how dangerous life can be for anybody. Trials seem to come on a daily, regular basis, don't they? We're always seemingly getting through with one trial and <laughs> there's another one waiting for us to, you know, just step into. Now, there are people that are hurting emotionally, all around us. We're at an all-time high of people that are um, lonely. I think the pandemic helped to bring that about, but it didn't get any better once the pandemic was over. People are still lonely, just needing someone to reach out to them and let them know that they're not alone. Depression, suicide, at an all-time high. Oh, yeah, because these things lead to individuals trying to figure out, how can I get out of this? But the great news is that those things won't work. God's grace is sufficient for those who put their trust in him. Our friends and our loved ones, they can let us down, can't they? They can't always be there when we have a great need. But I know a God who never fails. I hope that you do. Because he has set his love upon me, the psalmist said. Therefore, I will be delivered. He knows my very name. Do you know that this morning? That God knows you by your name? That's pretty personal stuff, isn't it? Uh, I don't know all your names. 
I felt the spirit and the warmth of that spirit when we came in. And for those of you that have spoken to us, you know, before the service, you know, it's good to just have that contact, isn't it? But to realize that God knows us by our name, not just a number, not just a figure over here or hey you, he knows us personally. He knows when we're lonely. He knows when we're afraid. He knows when danger is about to come into our life. He sees all that. And that's why he assures us, you're not alone. You can be safe knowing that Jesus' arms are stretched out, ready to envelop us and hold us. God's grace certainly can assure us even as we're about to embark on a new year. As was prayed for a while ago, we don't know what all this year holds for us. But we know God does. God will not be caught off by anything that happens. He will be ready, he will be ready and all ready to act when that need presents itself. When we call out to him, have mercy on me. He knows when to show up at the right time. God's amazing grace brings about rewards with it. I want to ask if you wouldn't mind if any of you are Emmaus alumni. Have you been on an Emmaus walk? A few of you. I hope that maybe those of you that haven't would like to make, make that a walk in your life. It'll be the best 72 hours that you've ever had, those of you that raised your hand. Part of that experience of going on Emmaus walk, having that Emmaus experience, is that we're introduced to the love of God and his grace. You know, God's grace is so vast and so awesome, it's really hard to get a firm handle on all of it. But the parts that we are able to, the song that we sang a while ago, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. God's, God's timetable is different than ours. 10,000 years may seem like an awfully long time for us as humans, but for God, it can be just like one day. God himself is aware of all that's around us. This verse that we just sang, I mean, just heard me repeat right there. John Newton didn't even write that verse, as a matter of fact. A godly woman by the name of Harry, Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote that because she said, you know, grace is not only for this world, it's for the world to come, the life to come. And she understood what this song meant to John Newton. And she began to think of herself as, I need to share something in his song. And so she did that. All these treasures, all these possessions that we have in this life are all temporal. At least the ones I've had, <laughs> they don't last. They break, tear up, they rust, they decay. Yeah, sooner or later they'll end up in a landfill, won't they? 
You just cannot put your eternal trust in possessions. They won't be there for you. But the great news again is that God's amazing grace will be. And it's there and it'll last forever. God's grace is good to live by. It's also good to die by, by the way. It's a promise to the believer that they can look forward to. Jesus said, I am about to leave you. He was talking to his disciples then, but when we read it, we know he left to prepare a place. A place for those disciples that he was talking to, but also he was making a place for you and me. If we know him, he says that place will be for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe and trust in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. That's why we can have a confidence and peace about our eternity. We have a place to go to that's being built just for us by Jesus himself. I will come again, he said, and receive you unto myself. I'm looking forward to that day. I hope you are. I'm not sure how much longer this world can go on like it's going. So, Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly and take us to be with you in that heaven that you have created for us. Now, as I said a while ago, a part of the Emmaus experience is that we find out about God's grace. When we believe and we put our faith and our trust in him, that's called God's saving grace. That's what God does is he saves us, takes all that away from us that would harm us and keep us from him. And then there's this securing grace, the grace itself that never ends. God's grace is as important and as vital for us every day after our conversion experience. And God understands that and says it's new every day. Never runs out, never will fade away. Now, danger, as we said, is seemingly a routine part of this world. But you know what's so amazing about God's grace? Is that as the writer himself wrote for us and says, but danger itself is not the one that will have the ultimate say. It's not the one thing that's going to uh, be the final thing for us. We can be delivered from that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'll have to admit, I didn't think I was all that bad of a wretch, but I'm glad that whatever a sinner I was, Jesus took care of that for me. When I asked him to, I was cleansed and set on the right path to go and be with him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that's my prayer for you as a congregation, you as an individual, that all of us 
will know what God's amazing grace is because we're experiencing it. We're living it. And it's there for us to be able to uh, benefit from if we but ask for him to give it. Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity that you have given for me to stand before this congregation and share. Thank you for your words of comfort, peace, joy, and love that the season of Christmas reminded us of, but it's a part of your grace that it brings into our lives. So now let your grace be with us and go forth with us as we go out into a new world. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. A 